And he asked me to take a walk with him. He didn't say anything for the longest time. And then he turned to me and he said, Woodman, we need each other. Words and music. And he crossed his fingers, showing how they go together. Remember, words and music. All right, it's time for episode two of the Words and Music podcast. This is the point where I remember to turn my phone on silent Mm. (laughs) so that we don't have ding-dongs going on in the background. I'm sitting here tonight with Jerry Wade. So if you listen to episode one with Wayne Berry, at the very end of it, I asked him who he would suggest for the next episode, and he suggested Jerry Wade. And here I am. And here you are. Awesome. Wayne Berry is awesome. Yeah, he is. So I just want to thank you, first of all, for coming in and doing this with me. Thank you for having me. And I I just heard you say off the mic that this is completely 100% out of your comfort zone. It is, totally. I'm usually not, uh, I keep to myself for the most part. You're a very private guy. I am. So I don't usually talk too much, but this will break it up a little bit, help me along. I like that. I like that because when you are on stage, you are the consummate entertainer. I say that every time I see you on stage, I tell people in the bar, in the whatever, wherever the venue is, I'm like, he is so entertaining. I just like to have fun. So usually it's uh, one of those things where the drinks start flowing and every, <laughs> everybody's uh, trying to have a good time. And if you're not having fun at it, you shouldn't be doing it. So. I agree 100%. So when did you start take us all the way back to the beginning because I know a lot of these guys around here have known you since you were a kid, Mm -hmm. but obviously it started before they knew you too. It did. So tell us, take us all the way back to the beginning. When did your, when did you fall in love with this mistress named music? I think, uh, I started liking music when I was a little kid, Mm -hmm. you know, singing in the car with my mom and stuff. So, uh, I didn't really get into, I didn't really have my first band until I was like 23, but I was in, I I was in some choir classes and things like that up in, Woodbridge, Virginia. Okay. And uh, obviously, I, you know, I knew I liked music at that point. And, uh, and I had done some other things, um, played music for a little while. I had a band when I was 23 called Rain and Woodbridge. And we did pretty good. We had a lot of things going on like um, pyro and catwalks. And <laughs> wow. All, when you could still do that stuff. Was there the- spandex? There was no spandex no? for me. Okay. No. no sp- <laughs> I don't think anybody in the van wore spandex. I mean, we set a few people on fire, but it was <laughs> all by accident. Minor burns, I'm sure. Just minor burns. Minor burns here and there. Mm-hmm. Some singed eyebrows. Mm. Yes. <laughs> smells funny when fingernails burn. Oh, gosh, it does. Mm. It's really nasty. Yeah, that's not my favorite smell Mm-mm. by any stretch of the imagination. So when you were 23, what, what instruments were you playing? I wasn't playing any instruments. So you were just doing the singing? Just singing. You were the front man. Uh, I was a lot more energetic then, so I was ju- <laughs> you know jumping around a lot and acting a fool and you know running across catwalks and sure. So. so, what kind of music did Rain play? The same kind of thing. My my guitar player at the time, his name was Angel Forquet, mm-hmm. and he was I mean he is like you know I've heard the name. Yeah, he's a phenomenal a blues guitar player. You brought him in, he was in town one time, right? And you brought him out to an open mic. Yes. Correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. We have footage of that. And uh, that was an amazing performance. So that's your guitar player from way back in the rain days. Mm -hmm. He lives in Puerto Rico now, but he's uh, went on to better things. He's a lawyer, so. (laughs) You got a real job? Got a real job. Is that what they say? Yeah. 
So back then you weren't playing anything. So when when did you pick up the guitar for the first time? I'd say um, I had a, a friend in town here. His name was Eli. And uh, he was playing guitar for me at the time. And, you know, I had fiddled around a little bit with it before then, but I never really learned how to play. But then, you know, it came a, came a time where he was pretty much getting ready to move uh, to Seattle. And I was like, all right, well, I'd be starting all over again, getting another right. guitar player and having to depend on people. Yeah. You know, it was kind of getting old. So I know a little bit, you know, but I don't really know how to play guitar. I just, you know, <laughs> just enough to get me through. Well, you, you know? fake it well. <laughs> yeah. Just bang on it a little bit. That's all. Yeah. So way back in the rain days, did you ever have any like brushes with fame? Did you ever open for anybody that we would recognize? Did you did you have some big gigs? We did have some pretty big gigs. Before uh, Central Park was here, mm-hmm. they used to put on some concerts out here. Okay. And uh, we did some of those shows. And uh, I don't know that we we did open up for people like Quiet Riot. Nice. And, you know, some of the some of the older eighties bands, Leonard Skinner and, sure. and stuff like that. But um we didn't really do any other big name country artists or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know. But we we uh, we definitely we were making a lot more money back then because yeah. we were playing for the door wherever we go. And sure, things were different in the music scene around. It was a town. lot, yeah. Now now in in Woodbridge in specific, there's not even any place to go play music. Really? Yeah, it's like it's just died off, huh? Yeah. And what do you think that? How do you think that happened? Do you think people just? You know, when we're talking, so when you were 23, what year are we? Well, I am 42 now, so, okay. yeah. So you're still younger than me, so. Right, so. <laughs> Everybody's younger than me. But so, so we're talking 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So do the math on that, the late 90s. Yeah. Early 2000s. Right. And back then, the music scene was hopping down here in Woodbridge. Was there stuff going it on was, back then? It was pretty good. I mean, there's like. You know, usually when I play in an area, I'll try to pick the one venue that's like the bigger venue so right. that I don't have to play all over the place. But back then, it was, um, you know, we would play everywhere we would play. And it would always there was always a good crowd. Everybody would always come out. Most of the places had a built-in crowd. And mm-hmm. It seemed like that fell off a lot. So they started, you know, it wasn't uh, smart for them to pay bands to come in sure. anymore because they couldn't afford them. They wasn't bringing in the right money. Yeah. So, so when did Jerry Wade become the Jerry Wade band? Um, I moved to Nashville for a little bit and then I ended up coming back about three years later and I saw an ad actually on Craigslist. Remember Craigslist? Craigslist. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I don't even know if it's still around anymore. Was it missed connections? It was Was it under that section. That's, that's the section I was looking under. (laughs) No, uh, it was a um, couple guys looking for a singer. It was actually a full band, and uh, the person who had headed that up was Dan Wright. Okay. So I went out to his house, which is in the middle of nowhere. Because what is of, that? All these guitar players, they live in the middle of nowhere. Do you notice that? Yeah, it's crazy. It's like they need to be alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I went out to his house for kind of like an audition or whatever. Sure. And I sat in, and I had recorded a CD. I let them listen to the originals and stuff like that. And they're like, we we basically want to bring you on board or whatever. Yeah. And then, so the, it, it's funny because the Jerry Wade band is actually not my project. You know, it was all put yeah. together by Dan and, you know, he masterminded all of it. 
And he just didn't want his name on it or what? He didn't want it to be the Dan Wright band? It just went back and forth a, yeah. a couple times. And, uh, you know, that was a decision that everybody said they wanted to go with. And, mm-hmm. and we did it. So Well, it seems to be working for you. It's it's uh, We've definitely done some pretty good things. Yeah. You know, Fredericksburg has definitely been good to us for sure. Well, I think everybody kind of knows the name, the Jerry Wade Band. And if, if, if anybody's ever been to one of your shows, they've been entertained from the moment you step on stage to the moment you're done. It's a full tilt kind of show. It is. It's definitely a fun show. And, uh, and, you know, I've always told everybody that I feel like I'm an average singer and definitely not uh, a good guitar player or anything like that. <laughs> so I gear everything I do around how I would want to be entertained. Sure. So <clears throat> that's a really good approach to take. Yeah. If I'm, uh, if somebody is out in the crowd and they're uh, trying to have fun, I think, okay, what would I want to see that would make me have fun? Right. So that's that's how uh, I go about stuff. So in comes the holler and swaller. In comes the holler and swaller that I that I learned in Nashville. Yeah, let's talk about your Nashville days. You said you spent three years in Nashville? About three years, yeah. What were you trying to do in Nashville? What made you go there? Well, the band, initially the band Rain, um, was all going to move there and we were going to try to play down there and see if we can get some traction or whatever. And uh, a couple of the members ended up not being able to do so. So we moved down there. Um, Three of us moved down there and it was like a whole different world. Yeah. As you know, I mean, everybody down there can play. Everybody's good. And it's a lot of competition. It's a lot. Yeah. Getting gigs is, you know, a little bit, there's no built-in crowds, but every place that you go to has a full room. Yes. You know, but mm-hmm. you know, they don't nobody knows you because, you know, they're just traveling from bar to bar and it's hard to build a crowd per se. Right. You know? So what was the goal for you when you were in Nashville? Did you, were you looking for a record deal? Yeah, I guess I mean, I guess you could say that. Mm-hmm. I, I I definitely was extremely green when I went there, so I didn't know you got stars in your eyes, my friend, yeah, right? Like they right. say, you, you, you sit here in Fredericksburg and you think, I'm going to go to Nashville. Yeah. I'm going to hit it big. Somebody famous is going to see me playing on Broadway, and that's it. I literally decided, and I was like, I'm going to move to Nashville, and I literally packed my stuff and moved two weeks later. Impulsive. Yeah. Like done, gone. Yeah. So Let's give it a shot. But you know what? you got to be in it to win it. So yeah. you don't know unless you go down there and give it a shot. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And they say Nashville's a 10-year town. Yeah. Did you know that back then? I did not. <laughs> but I, I, I was doing really, really well in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, I had um, another guy that I'd ran into. His name is Adam Ricker, and I was playing with him regularly, and we, were, we would travel and do shows outside of Nashville, and we were making really good money, um, especially in Nashville, the standard of how much they were making at the time. Right. We, we were making really good money doing yeah. it. So, you know, if that was a sign of uh, of how we were doing, you know. Yeah. You were feeling good about it. Yeah, we're feeling pretty good about so it. So now you're also a songwriter. Yeah. And a damn good one if I Thank you. can offer that opinion. Um, so when you were in Nashville, were you writing then? Um, I, I had written uh, about eight or nine songs at the time mm-hmm. um, with some of the guys in the band. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's always easier when you have some co-writers and, and you're working on songs together because there's a lot of people that have a lot of input, you know, and it makes it easier to put something together that, you know, 
is, that everybody wants to hear because sure. it's like a collaboration of things. So it was, you know, I was writing a little bit, but I didn't realize the amount of writing you have to do, you know. And I look back on it now, if I had gone then, I would that would have been what I had geared everything towards. The writing part. Yeah. You would have been a songwriter and you would have pursued that avenue. Right. So tell us the, the coolest thing that happened to you while in Nashville. Well, there was a couple of different things. Um, some of them had to do with music. Some of them didn't. But uh, there, the one time I remember I was playing in Nashville and Kid Rock came in. Very cool. And he basically was like, hey, can I get up and play with you guys, whatever. And I took that opportunity to get off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got it. But he actually took over and he was playing keyboards. Very cool. Uh, the person's keyboard from the time. And he played some song about basically he was kind of hating on Britney Spears at the time. Okay. He, he had written this song about Britney Spears and he crushed the place. And I, and I, <laughs> I literally, I was like standing there with my jaw down and thinking to myself, wow, you know, I thought I knew how to entertain this dude. Turn, yeah. turn the whole place upside down. It was, that's pretty cool. What do you remember what wild. venue that was? It was the Fiddlin' Steel. The Fiddlin' Steel. Is yeah. that place still there? I don't know if it still is or not. I haven't I haven't been up to Printer's Alley in a bit. Yeah. But um and I just got back from Nashville like a month ago. So I I didn't go up there, but I know that's where like, you know, Rascal Flats got their start and stuff like that's that. That's really so. cool. There's so much history in Nashville, obviously, and there's so many dreams that have been crushed. Oh yeah. And dreams that have been made down there. I mean, it's one of those towns where it's either gonna happen for you. Or it's going to suck your soul dry. Right. <laughs> right. So you're down there. You're trying to do the writing. You're trying to do the, the music thing. Did anybody ever come up to you and say, hey, man, let's give this a shot from a label or anything like that? Did anybody ever approach you? We did talk to somebody. And it was more, it was more my guitar player at the time had talked to somebody. And they were basically explaining to us what didn't sound like a really good idea to me. Right. And... uh you know, about it, it was kind of like a loan they were giving you to put you out on tour and, and, and you basically would do a radio tour first and then you owed them all this money. Right. And, uh, I'm not saying that they were offering us a deal, but right. when I heard that, I, you know, I didn't really, your common sense kicked in on yeah. you. Yeah. And I was like, that's a, that's a lot of money you're going to owe somebody, you know? Yeah. Just in case it doesn't work out. I mean, it could work out great. And then that's a drop in the bucket. Right. But. How often does that happen? You know, not very, not very. And that and that's just the hard truth about mm. a place like Nashville. And I'm sure that's a hard truth about a place like L.A. or Austin or any of the great you know cities around the area that have, you know, big music careers launched there. But Nashville seems to be the heart of country music anyway. Yeah. And it seems like, there, you know, there's only so many spots, you know, so much airtime. That, yeah. they, that they can fill, you know, and and how many artists can you fit in in that amount of time, especially when you got a a number one hit that's going to be played over and over, right? You know, so it's yeah. a long shot for sure. It is a long shot, and there's a lot of people down there who make you a lot of fancy promises. True, right? And you can definitely fall into those traps. Yeah, promotions deals and artist development deals and things like that, and then the next thing you know, right. like you said, you are upside down. People tell you, you know, when you record, they tell you that 
they have all these people they could plug your songs to to maybe get them cut. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, but it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a grind for a sure. A lot of fast talkers down there, too. That's a what I have noticed. Talkers. A lot of fast talkers. They see you've got a little bit of talent, mm-hmm. and they want their piece. Yeah. And that's that's unfortunate for a lot of folks because, I mean, you've got, there are tiers, obviously, of entertainers. And I feel like you see somebody like a, like a Marin Morris, mm-hmm. incredibly talented young lady, incredibly yeah. talented. And this business could crush her or it could make her the biggest thing. Like it could make her another Taylor Swift. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is uh, it's the people that decide who's going to make that happen or not let that happen, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it, it's definitely disheartening. Yeah. Uh, but if you're on the right side of it, it's not disheartening. Right. You know, so it's, and it can be a skyrocket deals. ride to the yeah, top, but sure. it can be just as quick a fall. So yeah, and that's and it's 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 interesting to see behind the curtain in the music industry. And it sounds like you got a little bit of a glimpse there. A little bit. So you did three years in Nashville. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to come home? I had a kid. Okay, mm-hmm. that'll do it. So my daughter, she's thirteen now. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I moved back, and then uh, I st- I actually stopped playing music for about seven years. I was just playing poker. For about seven years. And making money, like playing professional poker, yeah. that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Right on. Yep. Look so at you. I was doing pretty good at that and going out, you know, going out to Vegas every year. And yeah. Did you do the thing where you wore the sunglasses at the table? and Sometimes. Did you ever make a lot of money doing that? I did pretty good. Did you good. score? Yeah. yeah, I did pretty good. I mean, for the, for the first seven years, I mean, it pretty much gave me everything that I have. Nice. So, you know, I, I, in Fredericksburg, I right. own a couple of restaurants and trash company and this and that and the other, but all of it came from poker. So Wow. So you are the kind of guy that takes a gamble from time to time. Yeah, you can say that. And they've paid off pretty well for you. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not mm-hmm. so bad. And yet you stay incredibly humble. That's the one thing that I've definitely noticed about you along the years is that you you stay incredibly humble and you never hesitate to help someone out when they need help it, whether it's an artist that needs a kind of a push right. somebody that needs to just have some advice somebody that needs a, a place to play a microphone to sing into a guitar to use you have never I've never seen you say no to anybody that's true and I feel like there's a lot of people who ha- who are coming up in Fredericksburg and uh, are trying to do things that you know whether they can or whether they can't you know, to uh, turn them down or, or not give them the chance to, to do what they want to do would be wrong. So Yeah. And people can be cruel. For people sure. People can be incredibly <laughs> cruel. And I'm just going to tell one quick story about Jerry Wade. I think it's probably one of the coolest things I've ever witnessed you do. We were at open mic night. And, of course, you know, it was a slow night. It had a couple of people in there singing. Jerry was up on stage, or he was going to come up on stage a little bit later. But I had this young lady there that wanted to sing. And she was there with a guy. And her, the guy that she was with was supposed to play guitar for her, And he kind of bailed on her at the last minute. He chickened out. He didn't want to do it. So she got up there, and she started singing a cappella. And there were a couple tables kind of close to the stage that were snickering, making fun of her. Uh, she was she had a stage name and she was wearing a wig. So she had a look about her that these folks didn't quite see as normal or whatever their version of normal is. And she got off stage. She was embarrassed. And then a yeah, half hour, hour later, Jerry Wade gets up on stage and he starts singing and he's doing his thing. And you know what he does? He calls this girl up because he saw that she could sing. He For knew sure. that she just wasn't getting the right. She didn't have the right environment. She, it wasn't. 
you know, it wasn't conducive to what she was trying to do. And you brought her up on stage and you put a microphone in front of her. She started to belt out whatever song it was. I don't even recall. But I just remember the, the moment you looked at her and said, I knew you had it in you. I remember that. You remember yeah. that? That was a pretty good night, actually. It was a good night. Yeah. If I, I don't I don't remember her name as well. I don't either. Ago, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I had seen her come back to the open mic or anything after that. No. But, but I definitely I, I was trying to, you know, when I was watching all that going on, I was trying to figure out a song that I knew that she would be able to at least jump in on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, and, we, and we do that a lot. You know, we'll do a lot of songs where <clears throat> that are. That a lot of people know, yeah. so you know, so they can get up there and do it. You know, whether they are phenomenal or whether they're not phenomenal, whatever. Right. You know, we'll get them up there, and because they like doing it just as much as I do, right? You know, so. so and for you, it's not about you're not trying to make the highest dollar. You're not trying to become the big star. You're just trying to have some fun, play some music, do what you love, right? And that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, that's I, what it's all about. That is what it's all about. You know, so if you if you see somebody that has some musical talent, what's the first thing you do? Do you do you walk up and introduce yourself immediately? Are you are you that guy? Well, you know, believe it or not, like when I first started doing when I when I first started talking on a microphone, I, I was lost. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know how to talk. So I, so what I did and this was years ago, I went out and I got a karaoke job. Yeah. Working for a guy named Bobby Roach up in Woodbridge, and I was like, if I'm going to be able to talk on a microphone, I'm going to have to be able to talk to people and, you know, go back and forth or whatever with them, which now, if, if you knew that now, you wouldn't think that about no, me. No, because you're not, you're not, you don't come across as an introvert. Right. <laughs> but, but when I was, like, talking over the mic before, I was like, didn't know what to say. Sure. And I, I was kind of lost or whatever. So I took that job, and, you know, it wasn't like a whole bunch of money or anything like that, but it was a weekly thing that I got to know everybody's names and I was talking back and forth with people and I saw a lot of good singers and a lot of bad singers come in. Mm-hmm. And I just, from that, I just realized that, you know, whether somebody is really, really good or really, really bad, they enjoy doing yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. So for me to, you know, watch other people make fun of them or, you know, kind of like deprive them of their moment, right. if you will, or mm-hmm. whatever. It's kind of silly. It is silly. Yeah. Yeah. And and for grown people sometimes to act the way that they do. Right. It gets a little frustrating. <laughs> and of course, the, the invention of social media has made us all feel like oh my God. we are a lot more powerful than we used to. That's for sure. Right? Every, everybody can hide behind a computer now. Oh, yeah. Facebook toughness is yeah. a thing. And it's it's kind of sad. And, and when you do the kinds of things that we do in here and you're sort of out in the public eye and certainly not anywhere near um, famous, but you know, a lot of people know who you are. You're kind of in a public forum. People tend to share their opinion with you right? a lot more than they would otherwise. That's true. And they feel kind of entitled to tell you what to do. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, right? that, is, that is true. I was, I'm actually watching this the first time I've ever watched a, a vlog mm-hmm. and I've started following something on Facebook or I'm sorry, YouTube. And I'm watching this guy saying the same thing that you're saying right, right now. Just like because you're in the public eye, everybody's got their opinion of what you should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And that's true. It's very true. And I'm sure you see it a lot from the stage where people are shouting out songs you need to sing right. or telling you what they want you to do. And you kind of start feeling like a trained monkey after a while. Sometimes, especially when you're playing the same songs. And, you know, a lot of times it's the same people yep. because, you know. 
there's only a certain amount of people that, you know, go through the rotation yeah. like you do. And mm-hmm. so it, it is nice to get out and go play other cities. Oh, sure. Go play in other places where even if you're playing the same songs, it's different people who haven't seen it the way you do it. Right. Or, or the spin you put on it or the comedy that goes with it or, you know, any of that stuff. So, yeah, you just brought up a good point. You um, you mix a lot of comedy into your shows. Sure. You're a very funny guy. Now, has that, have you always been funny? Were you the class clown? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was I remember when I was in high school, I got like 30 referrals in a row. <laughs> you you never, were that kid. I could never shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Wade would be, it would be great if he would just apply himself, right? Instead of talking right? in the back of the class and trying to make everyone laugh. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> He'd be a straight A student if it weren't for that mouth. <laughs> I somehow, I somehow graduated with a 3.2. I have nice. no idea how that happened, but. <laughs> and then you thought, you know what? I don't want to have actual responsibilities. Let me get into music. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know why, but I didn't even decide to have my first band till 23, you know? So. Yeah. So what'd you do between high school graduation and 23? What were you up to? Did you go to college? Did you do the college thing? No, I was painting houses. Mm -hmm. I actually did go to college for like one semester, but I decided this isn't for me. I I, I feel like I hear that from a lot of creative types. I didn't go to college either. And it's one of those things where I just, I just, for me, it didn't make sense to spend Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of money and not have much to show for it on the other side. So for me, I, I just, I couldn't, I wasn't in a place where I could just afford to, do that. Right. <laughs> so for me, it was like, eh, I think I better get to work. Right. You know, better find something. And my philosophy, and I've told my kids this, my philosophy has always been find something you love, then find a way to make money doing it. Right. And that's, I think, the trick to happiness. That is the trick to happiness. Now, you are a father. You just said you have a, your oldest is 13. Mm-hmm. So what kind of advice are you going to give her when she starts thinking about careers after high school? Oh, my, my daughter's, uh, she's a genius. She's so, a genius, yeah. so she's going to be the she, next president of the United States. She, she could be. She could be. Right on. I actually told her, um, make sure that her mom doesn't vote for Hillary so she could be the <laughs> first female president. I love it. I uh, love it. She's got plenty of time then, yeah. She's definitely a lot smarter than I am, for sure. They all are. Isn't that amazing? It I say is. that about my kids, too. I don't know how the hell I got so lucky to have two so brilliant children. Right. But I did. You know, and one's in San Francisco designing video games and the other one's heading to New York City to be an actress. And and here's me going, how did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, she didn't get it from me. Her her mom's a psychologist, so she's she got all her brains from that side. So you fell in love and had a child with a psychologist. She must have had a field day with you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Was it like being in therapy every day when you got home? It wasn't, but I kind of... I probably could have used some. I could probably still use some. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> so now she's your oldest at 13. Uh, you have a couple of other kids. Mm-hmm. And how old are they now? 11 and 3. 11 and 3. You have boys, you have girls. I have two boys, one girl. Two boys and a girl. So what are you going to tell your boys as they grow up? I, I feel like the, the hardest part about raising young men is just creating good men and pushing them out into the world so that they then create more good men. Right. You know, because there's it, it's so easy to go wrong with your kids. Yeah. It's it so is. easy. Sure is. I, I don't know. I, I think it's. Uh, you know, I've changed a lot of things. I've I've took a lot of different career paths and I never really did one. Right. You know, and I, I think if I was to. When I give them advice, it's going to be to basically find whatever it is that you love and work at yeah. it. Yeah. Just put Work every bit of it 
you yeah. know, exhausted, mm-hmm. you know, because I think a lot of times when people fail at things, it's because they they just do it half-heartedly. Right. They expect a bigger result than right. they're putting in. Yeah. So it's that whole, you know, if it takes a couple more hours to practice a song, mm-hmm. you know, then spend that couple of hours to practice that song or whatever it is you're working at, you know, um, and stick with it. Yeah. Because no matter what it is, if you work, you know, especially in music, you know, I've seen much lesser talented people go further. Sure. Because they worked harder at it Mm -hmm. than somebody who's really talented, but they take their gift for granted. Right. Or they keep waiting for somebody to hand them that success. Right. As opposed to going out there and doing the grind and doing the work and making sure. Now, in this day and age, of course, as a musician and at the local level, social media is imperative. Sure. If you want people to know who you are, you want to get those bookings, you have to have at the very least a Facebook page. Yeah. You know, maybe an Instagram and Twitter, things like that. But you also have to be active. And I think a lot of times, and I have this discussion with a lot of local artists where they're just not doing enough. And I have promoters come to me or venue owners come to me and say, I really like this person, but they don't have a social media following. They don't have any Facebook followers. And for me, it's a really tough spot to be in because I want to push so badly for somebody to get a gig. But at the same time, it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, they haven't posted on Facebook in a month. Yeah. And it is. I mean, all this social media, I have this conversation very often, but all this social media is nothing more than advertising. Mm-hmm. And whatever you're choosing to advertise is, you know, something that's going to help your brand or whatever it is you're trying to get out there. Yeah. And, uh, and I slack on it hard. Like I, you know, I do the, I do the Facebook thing and usually announce my shows and stuff, but I don't, you know, and I'll message people with, you know, photos and stuff of our gigs that are coming up. Right. But that's usually about the extent of it. Yeah. You know? So when you have a band, do you think you need to hire then someone to take care of your social media? Well, I think the whole thing requires a team, you know, agreed a team of, of people who are not just can get you by with what you need done, but people who are good spirited people Mm -hmm. and they also know how to do that job. Yeah. You know, and it takes a lot of those people working for the same thing. Yeah. In order to move things in the right direction. That's very, very true. Very, very true. Who do you think does it the best? If you locally, locally, nationally, whatever. Who's give a good example of someone who's just killing it. Um, you know, the person that I, that, that I think of right now that is doing really well that you wouldn't expect me to say probably, and is, is, I think is doing it better than everybody else locally mm-hmm. is Chris Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like he, you know, he's like following, I, I don't know how, how, what, cho- what choices he makes because he makes them, but mm-hmm. He definitely is doing the right things to make himself look professional. Absolutely. I would agree with that 100%. And and the thing about Chris Ryan that uh, would blow people's minds is that when I first saw him, when he first showed up at our open mic night, he was terrified. Yeah. His knees were literally knocking, Mm -hmm. standing up there trying to sing into that microphone. But he kept coming back. 
Yeah. He kept coming back time after time after time. And he is one of those guys that he's got that determination. Yeah. He's got a goal he wants to reach and he doesn't care what he's got to do. He's going to do it. Yeah. I feel, I feel the same exact way. And, yeah. you know, um, I see everybody else, you know, he doesn't go on Facebook and post a whole bunch of personal stuff right. and stuff like that. He's mm-hmm. like geared towards his, um, final destination, you yeah. know, and he's trying to get it done. So, yeah. Locally, I would say that's the guy who who is trying to do things the right way. You know, it, whether it's he just went and recorded in Nashville. He did. I had him on Thunder on the Rise a few weeks back. He had three singles that were all exceptional. Right. I really liked him a lot. All stuff that he yeah. that he's writing. You know, he's writing. That's mm-hmm. a, another big thing, and uh, and just trying to promote the songs. You know, and I think I feel like he does a lot better job at that than most local, yeah. including myself. Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, yeah, I guess he'd be the one locally. Yeah. Um, and on a bigger level, I don't even, you know, I don't even know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I don't know how they get things done, but they just figure out how to do it somehow. Yeah. And I've been to a couple of different seminars and things like that through, through radio, uh, talking to certain artists out there. And Lindsay L seems to really be killing it on social media. She really seems to have her finger on the pulse of what she needs to do. Yeah. To get the word out, to stay top of mind. She is just playing everywhere. No matter where you look, she's everywhere. She's all over. Yeah, she's, she's all over all the over highway. The yeah. yeah, she's everywhere. And what's funny is, and people might not even remember this, but a couple of years ago, she was a pretty, she was pretty much blacklisted because of who she was dating. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she was dating, that. if I remember correctly, Bobby Bones for a minute there. And wow. there were stations who were pulling her from festivals that they had booked her for. Because of the association, which I think is garbage. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, being in radio, I would never, ever, ever, ever punish somebody for who they're associated with. If, you know, if you're throwing up, oh, so what? You don't like the guy, you don't, you're not an affiliate on his syndicated show, whatever the case may be, you don't punish her for it. It seems like a really small, like local mentality. Doesn't it? it? I mean, that is the exact type thing that Mm -hmm. would happen in a small town. Yeah. You know, and and around here, same thing. I mean, you get... Somebody who's associated with somebody and they don't like that person, all oh, of a sudden the they don't like you. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And sometimes I think people's egos get in the way a yeah. lot of times. And you have to kind of check yourself. You have to check yourself on a daily basis to remind yourself where you are, <laughs> Yeah. you know, at what level you have reached and right. where you're trying to go. And sure. is your behavior today going to get you where you want to be tomorrow? Yeah. So, you know, you kind of have to check yourself. Yeah, and having some kind of goal Mm -hmm. you know you know for all the all the guys around here and girls around here it's like you know what is your goal yeah you know we're all we're all in the same boat yeah you know so really making enemies is not a smart thing i wouldn't think so no not around here because it is it is a small town It it really really is and when you think about who you're playing with today it might completely change might be different in a week you might be playing with a completely different crowd and you have to take good care of your musicians. I think there's a lot of musicians out here that will play several gigs for several different bands, you know, and there's really well-known ones. And then there's some that are just kind of hanging out in the shadows waiting to see what happens. Yeah. You know, and there's some incredible talent. Yeah. In in the 50 miles around Fredericksburg, there is some incredible talent. It sure is. I'm yeah. telling you, like even some of the bands that, you know, come from like Roanoke and I mean, just the the musicianship is it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, I've been extremely fortunate to work with some of the best guitar players. Like, tell us, yeah, drop some names. 
Josh Grambling. I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's like right at the top of that list. You know, Angel Forquette. Dan Wright's probably the best musician I've ever played with all around, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the people around here are just crazy, crazy good. Sam uh, Sherman on yes. drums. Oh, I mean, my gosh. So good. And, uh, you know, it's just like... I don't know where, how much practice these people are putting in, but they're doing something right. They are. I, I think it's endless hours. I bet you Josh Grambling plays guitar in his sleep. He probably does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Linda, Linda, oh if, my if you ever heard Linda play, she's awesome. Can I mean, we talk about Linda Shea for just a quick second, sure. please? She is your guitar player, and she's been branching out, yeah. uh, working on a, a duet that she's been working on. It's called, uh, I'm going to get this wrong. Three exits to Memphis, five exits to Memphis. I can never remember. I think it's five exits to Memphis. Okay, all right. She won't hold it against you. No. <laughs> she knows. She knows I can't remember it. So, and she, she's a real quiet mm-hmm. lady, but the talent just yeah. comes out her pores. Yeah, she's good. We we were playing with her. She wasn't our original guitar player in this band, and we were playing somewhere at an open mic or something like that, and... um I think we were playing at an open mic for Lisa Lim, maybe. Okay. Yeah. And and, uh, and she was there playing, and we were like, "Yeah, she's know, amazing. Yeah. yeah. If you want to play some guitar, you know, are you interested or whatever? And, yeah. And if you know Linda, she has nowhere near the personality that I do. Like we are complete opposites. She's like your the yin to your yang. Right. She's super happy just hanging out in the background. Right. And not having to say a whole lot. Right. And just being chill and playing her guitar. And sometimes. <laughs> I make her close her eyes when we're in the middle of shows. So, <laughs> she, you know, she's a churchgoer. So. She does. She, she uh, I can't say enough good things about Linda. She's amazing. Plus, she's just an incredible person. Yeah, she is. And, and she's the kind of person that will, you know, she'll just, I don't know. She'll, she'll do whatever she needs to do to make sure that she makes you look good. Yeah, she does. You know oh that, God. right? Like, she makes you I, look good. You don't even know. Like, how many, <laughs> how many times I have. Showed up to a gig and been like, hey, uh, Linda, we're going to do this song. And she's like, when? I'm like, in about 20 minutes. <laughs> so she's out in the car learning it, her and Buddy, and they're out there learning the song. And, I'm, and I barely know the song myself. And Yeah. Or we came in and recorded the Christmas song. Oh, my gosh. You. Yes. And she had learned this th- song. The song was Silent Night. Silent that was Night. the first time I met Linda. And she came in and she had this beautiful arrangement yeah and i said well we're gonna do it in a different key. yeah you were like yeah it doesn't work <laughs> we're gonna try this instead and she flipped that switch yeah nailed and it. it was beautiful in fact we still play it every holiday right on the station and she's incredible she's just one of the best people i've, I've met around this area and she will she'll, she'll play guitar for yeah that's yeah. the one that's the one thing about the band that that uh you know, like I said, I, I lived in Nashville. I've played with like some of the best musicians in the world. Yeah. You know, and I and I come back here and we put this thing together and everybody's good. You yeah. Know? And the best part about it is there's no head issues. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nobody, you know, worried about this or that or n- no ego involved. Yeah. We never we've never butt heads with anybody in the band not one time. You've gotten lucky there. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, it's hard to find that. And yeah. That's synergy. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody's kind of like level-headed, and and we, we just kind of do our thing. So Let's go back to your Nashville days. All righty. I know. You're like, ah, here we go again. <laughs> Let's go back to Nashville. So you're in the recording studio quite a bit down there? 
A little bit, yeah. A little bit? Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any of those moments where, I don't know, Brandy Travis walked by and, and popped in and said, hey? Did we, you ever, we, I hear those stories all the time. Did you ever have one? We were recording, and we're, we're actually, we were done recording. We're sitting in the room and doing some mixing and, you know, hey, I like this. Hey, I don't like this, whatever. And Billy Ray Cyrus's huh. man, manager came in. Okay. Right? And, you know, they started probing them questions and stuff, and they were just like, you know, what, what, what's the one advice you would give, whatever, whatever. And he just said that the one thing that you always want to do is that, you know, when you go out into public, you want to be dressed and seen the way that you want to be seen. Oh, you that's know. great advice. Obviously, I didn't, <laughs> didn't take it. <laughs> you look fine. You look fine. That's great advice, though, too, because I know I've, I've struggled with that. Sometimes um, my opinion means more to a couple of artists around here than it probably should. I'm, all, I'm, I'm always kind of like, I don't, I don't really have a say in anything. I can't get you anything. I can't get you anywhere. Right. You know, I can do a couple little things here and there and I can, I can find you stuff and yeah, we can have know. some fun. I don't, I don't know if that's true. I feel like you've done a lot of stuff for a lot of people. <laughs> okay. Be that as it may, I sometimes will look at people and I will wonder, should I say something about the way that they look right now? Should I give them a little bit of advice on their, maybe their wardrobe? Maybe, eh, maybe it's time to spit that dip out when you're having a conversation right. with someone, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe there are some things that you could get you to the next level that you're just missing. My one thing I always, I always, always, always harp on the artists about and I'm always like, what is rule number one? Get a freaking sign, right? Get a sign. Something. How is anybody supposed to know your name while you're singing the song? Right. I agree. Actually, I saw I saw uh, I just played a show with Wes, Wesley Spangler. Yes, and we were out in Pennsylvania Saturday. Yeah, and um, and JD was there, mm-hmm. and JD has went out and he got himself a sign. a sign. Looks great. It does. Yeah, so. and it's so simple because now you don't have to say in the microphone every time you you know every between every song. Here's who I am. Here's who I where you can find me on social media. You put it on a sign behind you. They're hitting like on your Facebook page while you're singing. Right. You know, you don't have to do all of that. And, and it's so much easier, especially in this day and age when everybody's standing there with their phone. Everybody's, oh, man, these guys are really good. Let me go live real quick. Right. Who do I tag? You know? Right. If you've got a sign right there, boom, they know. And now you've got a tag. And and a video with your name in the, in the background. It's how you yeah. get noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I also have a really hard time because a lot of a lot of artists send me their music. And they say they want my opinion. I don't think they really want my opinion. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like, you know, when you're organizing a team of, mm-hmm. of good people that are good at what they do. Yeah. And I think that they need to have thick skin and so do you. Yeah. I mean, somebody could come up and tell me that I suck and tell me what they think is wrong. And I'm going to take that. Yeah. And try to take the best out of it or whatever. But um yeah, you you, you kind of have to have thick skin. You really do. If and I just wonder how many people have that. So for many. me, a lot of times, I don't have the heart to give my full opinion. Because mm-hmm. I feel like people send me their stuff and they just want me to go, oh my God, it's the best thing I ever heard. Right. When sometimes it's just not. That's true. <laughs> and it's hard for me to say, ah, it needs work. And I, think, I, I don't think that's just you. I think a lot of people are getting that, you know, people, you know, listen to this, listen to this. What do you think? And you're like a deer in headlights, right? You know, yeah. Oh, I'm sure people do that to you all the time, too. All the time, all and, the time. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it is. And, and I have no problem telling people when it is. Sometimes it ain't great. <laughs> it 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's the hard part. That's when you're like, oh. So, okay, have you ever had a moment in music where you just had your heart broke? Um, I don't really know about heart broke. Um, we had, we had shopped some of our music to about 13 labels in DC one time. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get any kind of traction out of it. No response. No response. I mean, we, we met them all in, perp- in person. Okay. So, um, and, you know, mo- most of them said this pretty much isn't what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time we were playing more of a bluesy kind of rock and roll type deal. So, I mean, I guess that'd be the closest thing to it. Besides that, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, when I play, yeah, if I had fun, you know, it's it makes for a good day for yeah. me. So. so when it comes to music at this point, we were talking about goals and setting a goal. What is the goal of Jerry Wade these days? I'd like to get together with some, you know, I've had good experiences with writing songs with people, you know, Lee and Eli and uh, Angel and, and Dan. I've sat down with a lot of people and, and written some songs. I think I'd like to get some songs and continue to like build a library mm-hmm. and and maybe get a song cut. If I was if I was to do that, I think that would probably um, be a pretty good goal for me right now. Any of your songs uh, in anybody's catalog right now on hold anywhere? No, I mean no. I, I, but honestly, I you know nobody knows any of those songs. Yeah, you know they're on they're on iTunes and and Amazon and some other places. But you know it's like a real small right now you Mm -hmm. know it's not like they've been shopped or or anything like that um some of them have potential i think you know i don't get crazy about any of them or think you know this should already be on the radio or anything like that you know that's not the way i look at it but um i think that i'm capable especially with the people that are around me of sitting down and writing a hit song absolutely so i don't feel like um discouraged by you know where I am musically I feel like pretty optimistic that if I continue to write songs and co-write with people and and things like that and and we put our minds to it that 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 the goal could be reached absolutely so I think so too I've heard uh, I mean I've seen and heard some of your original music and I have loved everything I've heard from you I think you got a hell of a lot of talent when it comes to songwriting and like I said before, I think you're just one of the consummate entertainers. I've said this a couple of times after seeing your set, and I've said, you know, Jerry's going to be that guy that is in the nursing home entertaining, <laughs> you know, in the community room. He's right. going to be that guy. He's going to be putting on a show until he can't put on a show no more. <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, that is true. I, and that's what, that's what I take away from it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it, you know, and I would do it every day if it was, you know, the problem that I have with most stuff is when it gets stale and yeah. it's the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. if it changes and, you know, uh, a friend of mine uh, named Frank always says that he likes to watch me play at new places. And the reason he likes that is because he likes seeing the look on people's faces, ah, you know. He's watching it through their eyes. Change, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, they're watching me up there act like a fool. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're thinking... You know, he's thinking like, wow, what what must they be thinking? Yeah. So that's pretty neat. What would you change about the music industry? Hmm. I think, um, well, 
a lot of stuff's changing now with the internet. Mm-hmm. It seems like the internet is making it possible for people who wouldn't have a chance to do bigger things. That's true. Which yeah. is good. But the music industry now, it's especially country music, it changes so fast. It does, doesn't no, it? Nobody lasts. Right. And that's what I would change. If there was, you know, Vince Gill didn't all of a sudden just stop being talented. Right. But I can't hear him on the radio anymore. Right. That's what I would change. Yeah. What do you think is behind that? I want to, I want your opinion on that because I know what I think is behind it. Okay. I was listening to um, Brooks and Dunn the other day in an interview and somebody asked them why they don't write music or why they, you know, they don't get together anymore and write music. And his response was, we can get together next week and write an album. That'd be cool, but we don't know what we would do with it. Right. And I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, they got millions of records sold. Awards that yeah. probably fill wings in their right. houses. And and they can't they don't know how to get their songs on the radio. I mean, that's pretty discouraging. It's but, incredibly discouraging. But so I, I don't know if it's I'm sure it has something to do with money. It's money driven, I'm sure, and, and who is allowed to be on the radio and so on and so forth. But I know it had I know in their particular case that it had something to do with um Kix Brooks had gone out and signed to do like a countdown with a different yes. broadcasting system or something. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't coincide with the people who were getting their stuff on the radio. So at least that's what they said. The whole, uh, the radio aspect of the music industry is in a tough spot right now because obviously there's a lot of competition from streaming services and things. People are getting, people have a lot of choices when it comes to where they find their music. Sure. I was listening to Garth Brooks. He did a, uh, a, a panel down at uh, country radio seminar in Nashville in February. And he said something great. He said, radio is still the only place you can go where you don't know what's coming next. Hmm. So people come to radio to discover music and then they go wear it out on streaming which I love that thought. I love the thought that I'm still in the place where I get to bring people stuff that's new. They've never heard of it. They've never heard the people. They've never heard. So there are are two different conglomerates, as it were, that make up the music charts. There's there's the country airplay charts and there's the BDS charts. There's media base and and there's BDS. Those two entities survey about 150 radio stations each. So that's 300 country radio stations that make up the charts. Guess how many country radio stations there are in the country? Thousands? About 1,700. Wow. So you take 300 of those, and those are the ones that determine the top 40 on the country charts. And that's that's it. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? It's pretty wild. To me, that's the most upsetting thing about country radio right now is that a very small number of stations are in charge of what mainstream country ends up being. Right. So for me, I get I get really ticked off about the whole thing because I'm not one of those stations. I don't have to follow those rules. Right. So for me, I don't know if you ever if you ever listen to our station, I've tended to veer off and go rogue. Well, that's good. (laughs) At this point, because I think it's time. I think that it's time to turn your back on that country radio chart and those people saying this is what's good for you. Right. Now eat it. Well, you know, and I don't want that anymore. I want to hear, 
I want to know what everybody wants to hear, and that's what we want to play. So you're right. Brooks and Dunn could put out an album. Toby Keith put out an album. Alabama put out an album. Reba put out an album, and they aren't getting radio play. Right. And it's insane to me. Martina McBride. I mean, all these massive, and like you said, people, they go through the, the ringer so fast. There's no longevity anymore. Yeah. Unless you're a Tim McGraw. Yeah, Tim McGraw, I think, is like the only example of somebody who's yeah. lasted for a few decades. Mm-hmm. You know, and can I, consistently put music on the radio. Yeah. Even Kenny Chesney, I mean, he's, he's you know, kind of fallen off a little bit mm-hmm. or whatever, but he, he was back in the same. He came out when uh, Tim McGraw yeah. came out. And, yep. you know, he gets one every once in a while. But, yeah. But you're right. Yeah. Tim McGraw is the most consistent. For whatever reason. The man's had a hit off every album that he's put out. Well, he's also, you know, one, that's one of those things where I hear him doing a whole bunch of, you know, he gets with other artists and mm-hmm. stuff and he sings on their album, you know, where it's featuring yeah. Tim McGraw and, you know, maybe he's still decided to shake hands with the right people. He's working it yeah. however he's doing it. He's working it right. I mean, George Strait yeah. can't even get a top 10 hit. I mean, he's got a great song on the radio right now. And it is struggling to make it into the top 10. Meanwhile, Luke Combs right. <laughs> in six weeks. Has a number one hit. Yeah. And then poof, it's gone. But every song he's put out since he started has gone number one. Yeah. There's, there's, you know? there's something making that happen. Right. You know. And it's beyond me. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. It is nuts. But he's, yeah. The other side of that is, is that somebody like Luke Holmes can be discovered from the Internet. Mm-hmm. You know, And you can if you push in the right way, it may not be the way that you want it to be. Right. But if you push in a different way. Yep. You can still get discovered to some degree. You can still make an impact. What I love about Luke Combs is he doesn't look like your average. He's not the you know, tall guy in, in the skinny jeans, not wearing a hat, but wearing a really nice hairdo. Right. You know, yeah, <laughs> kind of looking dude. He's, uh, I don't know, he looks like he could have come out from Spotsylvania. Absolutely. And hung out in the barbecue shack with us. That's right. You know, and I kind of love that about him. Plus, I mean, he's incredible. His yeah. music's incredible. Yeah, he he's in my top three right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, we've actually uh, made it to the hour mark, if you can believe it, just about. Yeah, I was like, I listened to Wayne Berry's thing this morning, <laughs> and I was like, I will never be anywhere near as interesting as this dude. That's going to be crazy. But here you are, here outside are. your comfort zone. Outside my comfort zone. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? It does, actually. Yeah. See? Start doing some more radio stuff. I think you should. <laughs> I think you absolutely should. Let's come up with a Jerry Wade segment for the show. Deal. We'll have fun with it. All right, so I asked Wayne, I'm going to ask you too, if uh, you could choose the next guest on Words and Music, who would it be? Wow. Um, I should have been prepared for that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, Stephen Bruce has had some pretty good, you know, I've talked to him. He's got some pretty good stories. Mm-hmm. I think he... He might have, you know, he knows a couple guys and he's hung around with a couple guys and he might have some pretty good stories to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, of course, I'd like to hear Josh do one of these. That'd be I good. would love to hear Josh. I would love to get Josh into town. And, um, you know, when I started this, I, I wanted to talk to the older generation. I wanted to talk to the mature guys and girls, you know, the ones that have been doing this for more than 20 years. And I set my goal at 20 years, but then I realized that's all the people my age. Right. That's you. <laughs> yes. That's Big Rob. That's right. Leo Dell. Right. That's Josh Gramling even, you yeah. know, as long as he's been playing music. 
He fits. And that's crazy to me yeah. to think about it because you're all so young. So, uh, hey, why not? I figure we'll, we'll go. We'll take this in whatever direction it wants to go. Yeah, sounds good goal. to me. Jerry, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the show. And one of the coolest things is I've been sitting here watching you across the studio, and I still don't recognize you. Right, the beard. I still don't recognize you. Jerry Wade has got a beard. I know. I don't know, I don't know how long this is going to last. Your, your husband inspired this. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I need it to last at least through the end of the month because there is a charity event that I'm going to tell you about off the air. And okay. I want you to be a part of it. It's called Beards in the Berg. Okay. All right. Deal. So now you're into a competition zone. Deal. You're, now you're in training. <laughs> I like competition. I love it. Jerry Wade, everybody. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. Words and music.